Indeed, Lord, how great is the name of the Lord God Almighty. Sing with me how great is His name. Thank you that we have the opportunity and we have the ability. And Lord, you've given us the heart to praise you together. And Lord, as we come to the time when we open your word, your living word to us, may you make it alive in our hearts. And may we know when we leave this place, God has spoken to me. Lord, may we concentrate, may we hear what you're saying, may we look in your word, and may the Holy Spirit, your Spirit, change the words of a man into words that you speak as you speak through your word. Use this time now for our benefit, but also, Lord, so that we can serve you in the community that you've put us in, this great city of Wanganui. Thank you for this time. We praise your name. Amen. If you turn with me to uh, John chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 11 um, this morning. We're carrying on with our four-part sermon series on this passage, John chapter 15. Why is it that the prayers of some people always seem to be answered? And somehow mine might not be. Why is it that some people seem to live this constant life of joy bubbling over, never seems to stop, and yet I haven't got that same joy? Why is it that some people seem to be able to serve the Lord with endless energy and I can't make it through the week? Why is that? Well, we're going to find some of those answers I pray in this passage this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 to 11, and actually the whole of verses 1 to 11. And so we're going to read that passage together. And if you weren't here last week, don't worry, you'll soon catch up, because I'll do a little bit of revision. But this is a real meaty section of Scripture. It's one of, if, if I dare say it as a, just a normal human being, it's one of the core passages of Scripture on how to live before God. And so we need to pay attention to that. So I'm going to be walking around a bit, possibly. I've got a big stick. No, I won't do that. I will try and keep you awake. But please, you need to concentrate. This is a meaty section. There's a lot here. And if you need to go and download the sermon again and, and listen to this voice again, go and do so. But have a pencil out. This is crucial stuff. And so let's look at God's Word together. John chapter 15, reading from verse 1 to 11. Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What an amazing passage. And so, just to recap a little bit from last week, you remember I had this withered out old branch over here. Well, it's so withered I threw it away now. I should have kept it for illustration, but I didn't. But what did it illustrate to us? Firstly, what did it illustrate to us? I have to be what? Connected to the vine. How am I connected to the vine? Only through? No. How am I connected through the vine? Only through Christ. He must connect me to Himself. How does that happen? I have to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I have to bow my knees to Him. I have to say, You are Lord. I am Your creation. Lord, You take over my life. And the moment that happens and you surrender to Jesus Christ, He connects you to Him. And His juices start flowing into you. Right? We must be in Christ. Connected to the vine. And when we do that, we abide with Him. He abides with us. What else must happen? The Father then comes and He cleanses us. How does the Father cleanse believers? The Father cleanses believers in two ways. He prunes back the dead stuff and He washes. Right? So, those bits in your life that are not so productive, the Lord comes the Father, and He prunes it away. And yes, sometimes it hurts. Most times it will hurt. Because these are our pet sins we don't want to let go. He prunes them away. And He washes us clean every time. He keeps that disease from us. The Father is the vine dresser, says Jesus, in this metaphor, this picture of what the Christian life is like. And then he says, abide in Christ. In other words, stay connected to the true vine. Now, does that mean you can get disconnected from the vine? Can you lose your salvation? No. Scripture teaches over and over, once you've been saved, He will keep you in Him. Who is more powerful than Jesus Christ? No one. You are kept in Jesus Christ. And when you wander away in sin, He will draw you back to Himself. You will stay connected to the vine. And yes, that's going to hurt. He said, don't be like the ass. And I've got to turn its head. 
And that hurts because that bit and bridle do its work. But I love you. I will not let you go. Once you are mine, I will keep you. Now there's a lot of hope there, isn't there? Because I don't know about you, I know my life. There are many times I shouldn't be doing stuff I do. Even if it's just in my head. Even if it's just on the road. God forgives. But He says I must abide in Him. What is that all about? It means in my daily life with Him. In my walk with Him. In my time with Him. I must stay abiding with Jesus Christ. And that's where there's a 100% responsibility on us, on human beings, to watch that relationship with Jesus Christ, to want to grow with Him. And so we have to stay in His Word daily. Don't you dare feed your body and not feed your soul every day. We're so quick to give ourselves a good bacon and eggs. But we're so lazy, and I'd say it because I know my own life, we're so lazy to feed ourselves scripture. There's a good little, we discussed this at the uh, Mint group the other day, there's a good little habit to get into. Don't feed your body until you've fed your soul in the mornings. It will quickly bring you into that routine of regularly reading Scripture. I'm not going to ask for hands of who has a daily quiet time. I don't want to embarrass myself, never mind you. We have to be in God's Word. Abide in Jesus Christ. And then He says, I will abide in you. You see, there's that relationship thing. If we abide with Christ, like any relationship, it's not one-sided. It must be two-sided to be a healthy relationship. If I abide in Christ, He says, He will abide with me. And we saw that last week. What does that mean? You pitch your tent there. You, you sit and have a meal with Christ. You let Christ speak to you. He's and you speak to Him about anything in life. Abide with Him and He will abide with you. There's a healthy relationship. So that was last week. And that's the metaphor of the vine. Okay. Now what happens? What are the results of that picture? What happens if I am in that daily relationship with Jesus Christ? Today's passage happens. You will bear fruit. And we're going to look at very specific and very exciting things this morning. And the first one is this. The first fruit of living in this relationship with Jesus Christ is your prayers will be answered. He uses the words here, your prayers will be answered. In other words, literally, it shall be done. You pray, it will be done. Wow! The problem is this. J. Oswald Sanders said it beautifully. He said, all disciples of Christ are believers. Okay, we get that? All disciples of Christ are believers. But not all believers are true disciples of Christ. Why? Because real discipleship is evidenced in the production of abundant fruit, in character and in service to the Lord. If you're a true disciple of Christ, your character is changed by the fruit in your life. And you therefore serve Christ as well. So here's the first fruit. My prayers will be answered. That's one of those big fruits that come about in my life when I live this life of obedience before the Lord. Now, misinterpretation first. Aha, uh -huh, you say, blank check. I can ask whatever I want. 
Yesterday at the steampunk, or whatever, no, it was vintage festival, all right, I saw this beautiful little white MG. I've always wanted an MG, an open top with spokes. Man, it's not so good for the bald head when you're driving around in the sun, but it's beautiful for the image. So can I pray for that and the Lord will take someone else's MG and give it to me? Name it and claim it? No. You see, that's a misinterpretation of this statement here. Your prayers will be answered. Because that's not all the verse says. Let's look at the verse carefully. Because many people have misinterpreted this verse in this way. And that's where the whole name it and claim it philosophy came from. He says... What is the first word there in the verse? Verse 7. If. Uh-huh. So what does if mean? Conditional. Something's got to happen and then that prayer will be answered. Ah, now let's see what has to happen first. If. Here's the first one. If you abide in me. Ah. So my connectedness with Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Take note of that word. Words abide in you. Then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Alright, so let's look at those two things. Those two conditions. So what are these conditions? If you abide with me and if my words abide in you, then ask. Now, for example, those of you with kids who are teenagers, you get that fateful day, unless they've got their own thing already, where they say, Dad, can I borrow the car please? And you know what they've been doing with their L plate on, trying to learn to drive, trying to change clutches, trying to stop where they should stop and not cut in front of other traffic. And you think, some stage they're going to have to learn. And so you say, of course you can, just take it. There it is, full of poop. Who does that? Come on. Who does that? Be a realist. No one does that. What do you say? If. My daughter, my son, I love you very much. And I love my car. If you listen to the following, then I will allow you to use my vehicle. Firstly, I want you to obey the road rules as they stand clearly written in front of you when you're driving. Don't make up your own. Secondly, I want you to respect other people on the road. You are not the sole owner of the road. Other people may use it as well. Thirdly, you need to be back by, you set your own curfew. Otherwise you know what happens. 4.30 in the morning, there they come. I see, I run a backpackers. And fifthly, I think it's five, it's quite a few ifs here, I want you to bring my car back in the same shape and condition that I give it to you in. Otherwise, my dear son or daughter, have a blast and be careful and be safe. Right? That's what we say. Automatically as parents, we are good parents, we put conditions on that love that we want to show them. The father says, I will answer your prayers if you abide in me and if my words abide in you. So what's that got to do with? Let's look at it. Now, if you abide in, we know that as believers we are in Christ. So it's not talking about my position in Christ. I am safe in Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to move me out of Christ. 
And I know that Christ is in me because every believer, when he becomes, he or she becomes part of Christ, Christ comes to live in them. I'm not talking about that. That goes for granted. He's speaking about that relationship stuff. If you abide in me, that keeping up that habit of constant and close relationship with Jesus Christ, that shaking off the I can do it alone attitude, that having more of that without you, Jesus Christ, I can't do anything that's of worth attitude. We need more of that in our lives because we really quickly get independent units. It's that communication, communicating with Jesus Christ as your best friend and Lord. Realizing He's your Lord, but He's also your Savior and your friend. And speaking to Him in, in that way and hearing His voice as you read His Word. It's having Jesus Christ as not just a distant, acquaint, a distant acquaintance that I kind of come into contact with once if I read a verse once a day. Having a more regular acquaintance with Jesus Christ. As I walk my life every single step of my day, Jesus is there with me, just talking to Him every day. It's having Jesus Christ as that prime focus of my life and not allowing any other idol into my life. That is abiding in me, says Jesus. If you abide in me, I will answer your prayers. But there's something else here. You see, good old Spurgeon, one of the famous dead guys that I hold up there and try and emulate, he said this, prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus Christ. If you abide in Jesus Christ, prayer will be a natural thing that you do. You'll just speak to God. You can't help it. Secondly, he said, if my words abide in you, now take note here, there's two forms here. If we read his word and if we allow his word as given to us to make an impression on our hearts, if we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, if we allow God's word to burn away all the wrong thinking that's in me, if we allow God's word to expose the wrong actions in my life, if I allow myself to mull over what I read every day, to think on it, to haul out my piece of paper, to go over it during my working day, if I take to heart the meaning of what he's teaching me, if I accept the truth that is in front of me. There's a lot of ifs happening over here, right? If I allow God's work to work with, word to work with me. But there's more here, you see. He says, if you allow my words to abide in you. It's not the word logos, which is the word for the whole of God's word. It is the word rema, which is his spoken word. What is that? His spoken promises to you and I. If you take to heart what Jesus has promised you and you believe Him on those promises and you pray back those promises, why would He not answer your prayers? He's promised to answer those things. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise to us. And so when we come in prayer and you're in a difficult situation and you're doubting in life, you say, Lord, you've, you've said in your word, you will never leave me or forsake me. I hold on to that promise. There's a prayer He will answer. But Lord, give me that energy. I can't find that in Scripture. He's never promised me that anywhere. And so how can I pray that and expect Him just to answer it? Do you see the difference? 
So we have to abide with Jesus Christ. We've got to have His words abiding in us. That's His logos. We've also got to have His promises spoken to us. And we need to pray those to Him. And then He says, pray whatever you ask. Whatever you ask for, I will answer. So how does that then work? Well, you see, if we are in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, if He is in me and I am in Him, and if His words are abiding in me and I take to heart everything that He promises me, then when I pray, of course my mind is going to be so taken up by God's Word and who Jesus is, I'm going to pray His will. I'm going to pray in the way God wants me to pray. And of course He's going to answer my prayers. And yes, it can be for everyday things that are happening to you and situations you're in. But you're so filled up with what Jesus is doing in you and what His Word is doing in you that when you pray, He answers your prayers. So ask whatever you want to and I will answer, He says. Amazing. And that's not all. There's more. When you pray, you come in the name of who? Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He is your great lawyer. He's your advocate. He's the one that stands before the Father. And He says, here's the prayer of my child. The one that I love, Lord. Here it is before you. I will answer it. And immediately He starts answering your prayers. Because you are in Christ. He is in you. He is your advocate. He answers your prayers before His Father. And so here's the question this morning. Why is there so little power of prayer in our time or in your life or mine? Why is there so little power in our prayer? There's only one answer. It's because there's, own, there's so little close communion with Jesus Christ and there's so little of His Word abiding in us. Is it true? Think of your life. I know mine. Jesus said so. We need to believe Him. And therefore we pray, but we receive not, says James 4.3, because we ask amiss. So you want to see your prayers answered in 2019? Then follow Jesus Christ's instructions. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit given to you. God gives it to you. He will answer your prayers. Secondly, verse 8. What does He say there? This is the second one. By this my Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So here's the second fruit that He gives us. Our Father is glorified. Our prayers aren't just answered, but our Father is also glorified. And the world takes notice when we glorify the Father. Because you and I live in the world, right? You can't help but be in the world. No man is an island or woman. We live amongst people. And so when the Father answers our prayers and we live obedient lives, our Father is glorified and the world sees that there's something different about us. And the world might be uncomfortable about the answer that they come to. How, how come this person is so, difficult, so different? They're going through a difficult patch and yet they seem to be not bothered by it. Why are they so different? And the reason? Because they're a Christian. The Lord is with them. Well, I don't like that. I don't believe in God. Well, they might be uncomfortable with this, but that's the reality. 
And it still speaks about God, right? They need to be taken to that point where they realize that God is, a, is in your life. And though they might kick against acknowledging God, they realize that His work is plain to see right before their eyes. I've seen that in the lives of people who've come to the Lord. Over the recent years, you see that change that happens in them. You see that understanding that comes. And when they go home, and I always encourage new converts in Christ, go and tell someone. Tell someone that you know. They need to know that you've come to Jesus Christ. Most people look at them and they say, well, you haven't grown wings, but something's different about you. That's what speaks about Jesus Christ and glorifies God. And that's what we're talking about here. My Father will be glorified. The problem is, you see, that there's too much of the world in us. And we're supposed to be bright shining lights in this world, but you're a bit like this little light I've got on my car keyring. Real bright, just close your eyes. The world is in us. And the light we're shining is so dimmed down by sin that the world hardly sees this light. We are to be bright shining lights before the world because Jesus is in us and who do we shine out at the world? We shine out Jesus and isn't He the bright light that the world is to come to? How bright is He? How different is He? The world is in the church and there's not much fruit that can be seen in us and it's the visible fruit which speaks the loudest message to the world when we show them our love our joy, our peace, our patience, or our lack of love, our lack of joy, our lack of peace, our lack of tolerance on the road. That also speaks to the world. So how do we show God glory? By bearing much fruit, says Jesus. Who gives us the fruit? Remember last week? Jesus gives it to us. Remember, you just the branch. And if you stay abiding in Jesus Christ, He will put the fruit on you. His the vine, you are the branch. And so we need to have much fruit. And if we're in Him and His words abiding in us, out come the fruits. Jesus gives them to us. And the world sees. And the world gives God glory. But there's a second thing that happens when you bear much fruit. And that is that you give your own heart assurance. You see, we all go through ups and downs of life. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's walked through life and you think, is this all that's to the Christian life? Man, surely there's got to be more to us. Or you go through really rocky patches and you think, is this Christianity real? Or should I really be helping myself? You see, by glorifying your Father and by bearing fruit... It's evidence to your own soul that you are saved. When you look back on your life and you see the difference that you are now to what you were, and it's spiritual, and I'm talking good stuff now. When you see the good stuff God has been doing in your life, it tells your soul, yes, God has been doing this in me. It gives us assurance in our faith. And that's what this does too. So bearing much fruit gives us Assurance. He says there, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
You see, the proof is in the, not the pudding, the proof is in the fruit. Jesus says, by their fruits will you know them. And yes, he was speaking about false prophets and the bad fruit they were showing, but the converse is true too. The good fruits will show from the good branches. By their fruits will you know them. When Jesus looks at your life, he can see your heart. Does he know you by your fruit? Now here's a harder question. When the world looks at you and I, do they know who we are? By the fruit that they see. Without us mentioning a word, can they see the fruit of God in our lives? And so, do they they see the love in our lives? Whose love is it? It's the love of Christ in us. Do they see the love of Christ in you? And I'm speaking to me. Do they see the love of Christ when I drive what I do, and I, I try not to. Do they see the love, the joy of Jesus Christ in me when I'm in a difficult situation? Not my joy, His joy in me. Do they see the peace of Jesus Christ in me when I'm going through rough patches? Do they see the patience of Jesus Christ in me when I'm standing in a long queue in the supermarket? Do they see the kindness of Jesus Christ when I go out of my way and I show the love of Jesus Christ in a practical way. You see, it's not my kindness. It's His kindness which is fruit in my life. Do you see the difference? And the bonus is when these fruits are in your life, that there will be no room in your heart for doubt. Doubt will be crowded out by all the good fruit in your life and in your heart. And you'll have assurance of salvation. And so this morning I urge you, take Jesus at His word. Believe on Him. Act on this belief of yours. And so glorify your Father. So there's the second thing. Firstly, my prayers are answered. Second thing, the Father is glorified through my life. Third thing, you will know the love of Jesus Christ. And when I mean the word know, I mean you will know the love of Jesus Christ. Look what he says here. He says, Verse 9 to 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Stop right there. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about that. How did the Father love His Son? He loved them as only God can love God. He loved them from a God who is totally love, 100% love, Love loved love. He loved His Son even on the cross by allowing His Son to die, to take the punishment of sin on Him and then to make Him alive and put Him at His right side again. He loved Him. And Jesus said, I love you with that same love. Wow. That's immense. The Trinity loves me with the same love the Trinity showed to the Trinity. That's amazing. You feeling loved yet? Are you feeling loved yet? Hello? You see, if you're in Christ, you're loved with a vast, wide, deep, immeasurable love. There's that song we're going to sing at the end of the service. 
Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. And we'll sing the rest just now. That's the love I'm talking about. It's immeasurable love. It's very different to the love you and I have for our children. Especially when they've done stuff they shouldn't have. And I've got to get that paint off the wall. It's very different to the love we show to the customer when they irritate us again. This is vast love, which is underneath me. All around me is a current of love and it leads me onward, leads me homeward to that glorious rest above. That's the love we're speaking about. And Jesus Christ loves you and I with that love. You feeling loved now? And therefore Jesus says, abide in my love. If you're being loved so much, why wouldn't you camp out in it? You must be really hard of heart if you can't experience that love that Jesus shows. But you know, sin does that in us. Sin blinds our hearts. It, we can't see the love of Jesus Christ. And all we feel is our own misery. Jesus says, you are loved with an everlasting love. Abide in my love. And then he says an interesting thing in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see, this staying in the love of Jesus Christ is not an airy-fairy thing. I don't get out the, my truth diary and I start writing down how I feel loved. And it becomes all mystical. And I wait for my pen to start writing about how much God loves me. No. He says, if you obey my commandments, then you will abide in my love. What's the difference? If you obey me, you will experience my love. You see, God is a holy God. If you disobey me, what will you experience? God's firm hand on you because of his love for you. But if you obey my commandments, then you will abide in my love. So how do we abide in his love? By living lives which are obedience before, Lord, before the Lord. And as we do, we experience the love of a father poured out on creatures who love him. Do you see how it works? The problem is we are so scared of experiencing real love from God. What do you mean, Calvin? You see, we are Baptists. And many times we're known as people of the book. And I'm very proud of that. But you, need, you know, we need to be more people of the experience too. We need to allow God to love us. Sometimes we act like the chosen frozen. Or the frozen chosen. Whichever way around you want to say that. Lighten up. Let the Lord love you. His love surrounds you. Why would you sit like this when, Lord, when the Lord is loving you? Allow the Lord to love you as you read His Word, as you obey Him. Experience it. Yes, I use that word. And you will be blessed beyond anything that you can ever think. And you will roll through this life and you will hardly notice things that come your way. Why? Because you are loved by Jesus Christ. So what can be too much? 
What can come against me? I'm loved by Jesus Christ. It surrounds me. It doesn't matter what circumstance I go through. I'm loved by Jesus Christ. Loved with an everlasting love, which is supernatural. And so when we have to come to obey Him, it's not a thing that I've got to do. It's nothing to do with rules. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Check, 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 uncheck, check, check. Oh, I've still got to work on that. That's not how it works. You love because He loves you. I want to obey Him. Have you ever... I need to be careful how I say this now. When you've, when you've been, let's say, in a um, discipline situation with one of your kids... That moment when you reconciled with them, when you tell them, Daddy still loves you. I had to sort something out with you, but I love you. You know, that child, many times they're in tears. They just want to do whatever you say next. Daddy would like a cup of coffee. Yes, I'll make it. It's that moment I'm talking about, that reconciliation moment. When Jesus loves us and we realize that He loves us, we want to be in that reconciliation moment with Him all the time because we love Him. So it's not hard to serve Him and to obey Him. Jesus says, verse 10b, If you keep my commandments just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, then this is a fruit in your life. Now, that's a tall order. Can we do this on our own? No. We can only obey Jesus and His commands as His Spirit makes it possible in us. But the problem is, we try on our own. And our best works are imperfect and defective before God. And therefore, we have to cry before Him, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But I know this sinner is loved by an almighty loving God. And Lord, I fall at my knees before You. And I plead my case because of your love. Thank you, God. And there's the third fruit. You'll experience the love of Jesus Christ. Your prayers will be answered. You'll glorify your Father. You'll experience His love. And lastly, you will know the joy that Jesus gives. And this is the bubbly bit I'm talking about that you see some people filled with. He says, these things I've spoken to you, now take note of this. And being good Berean Baptists, Listen to what it says here. These things have I spoken to you, says Jesus, so that my joy may be in you, so that your joy may be complete. <coughs> Grand. How many joys are there? My joy may be in you, so that your joy may be complete. Ah, do the maths. One, two. So what's this, his joy? The joy of Jesus Christ. Well, he says it's the same joy set before him, says Hebrews, that enabled Christ to endure the cross. That's the joy he's speaking about here. So what is this joy? It's his joy he puts in us. The joy of Jesus Christ which is put into you. It's the joy that he is filled with as God, as the living being, the Trinity. He plants that joy in us. It, so this joy comes from outside of us. It's nothing you can generate. It's what He puts in us. And we share the joy that Jesus possesses. And so what does that mean? If I've got the joy that Jesus Christ gives me, is there anything I can do about that? No. 
I can't change that joy. It's in Jesus Christ. He gives it to me. But it does something to the little bit of joy I have. It makes my joy complete. Ah. So Christ put, puts His joy in me and then it fulfills my joy. Now there's an application here. That's why Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice and it stops there. No, it doesn't. In my Bible it says, Rejoice in the Lord. If you want to have real joy, then rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because you've got Christ's joy in you. And that completes your joy. And so you can rejoice in the Lord. And therefore, if you've got that joy, and if Christ is at the centre of your life, He is steady and constant, your joy is not going to be occasional and variable. And as life goes up, you're happy. And as life comes down and stuff happens to you, your joy goes down and you feel depressed and it's not working. If Christ's joy is in you, that joy will stay constant and will grow because He is doing it. Do you see? You see, this world finds its happiness in circumstances and surroundings, but the Christian's joy is independent of those things. And that's why Paul and Silas, sitting in that prison where they knew they were going to die, they could sing hymns of praises to God when they were going to get killed the next day. Why? Because they had the love of Jesus Christ in them. You see, the reason we're so often despondent and overwhelmed by life is because we walk so little in the light of the Lord's presence. I'm going to repeat this and then I'm done. The reason we are so often despondent and overwhelmed by life, here it is, is because we walk so little in the light of the Lord's presence. He is not making our joyful. But if He does make our joy full, if that fruit is hanging on our tree that we've been talking about today, if, what was the first one? Come on. First one. Pardon? Sorry? Yes? Now, what was the first fruit that we talked about today? Thank you. Your prayers will be answered. And the second thing? Your Father will be glorified. And the third thing? Pardon? You'll experience the love of Jesus Christ. And last one, you will experience His joy. If those things are visible in your life, then Christ's love will overflow and we will experience His love together as a body here. And we're going to look at that next week. And it's not going to stop there. As we leave these doors and we go out into Wanganui, Christ's love is going to come with you and it's going to come with you and His love is going to come with you and His love is going to come with me and His love is going to come here and it's going to come all the way out this door and all the way into the community. Whatever we do, Christ's love is going to go with us and Christ's light will shine to the world. It's not Christ going out, it's us going out with Christ in us. We are the light of the world. We are the salt in this light. In this light. You see how it works? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring His application into our hearts. Where does He need to work on your abiding in Christ or abiding in His Word? There must be some area because not one of us is perfect unless you're willing to put up your hand. Let Him do His work in us today. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the promises of Your Word. 
We, Lord, we thank You that we know that if we abide in Christ and He abides in us, then You will bring this fruit to bear. We will experience Your love. We will experience answered prayer. We will glorify our Father and we will experience the joy that Jesus Christ gives. And we will therefore be a testimony to this world, to our family, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our customers, to the other road users. We will be a testimony that Jesus Christ is alive and His light will shine from the lives of the people here. Use us for the glory and the sake of Your kingdom in this week. Through Your Spirit we pray. Amen.